Hello, this is Michael Fanning with the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our short-form podcast where we'll be interviewing Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light, all in creating epic client service and work-life balance. Enjoy the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Fanning with the Windermere Coaching Minute. And uh, recall, this is our podcast where we talk to agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. And I am excited today because I have Jen Penn with me today. Jen, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Well, everybody, I want to I introduce Jen to you. You know, here's Jen, here's how I got your name. I was coaching uh, one of our clients and she won a multiple offer situation. And she says, I owe it all to Jen. And she goes, she's the bomb. And I said, whenever I hear that, I have to investigate because uh, what it means is that you're doing something right. And there's clients that are benefiting from your actions. And so that's kind of why we decided to have you on. And I'll give everybody a little background. Jen's been with Windermere since 2003. And prior to that, she was an advocate for uh, victims of domestic violence, and she is married, and she's a huge Seahawk fan, and uh, a, a lot of people probably listening are Seahawk fans as well. So let's hope that uh, they keep all their players this year. Oh right? my gosh, this is a very tough time of the year for me when I have to say <laughs> goodbye to players that I enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Well, what we want to talk about for the listeners today is that um, you know in the market that we're in, and we did a podcast not too long ago where we said this is a professional's market, and what we mean by that is this is where real professional agents need to be showing up to be advocates for both their buyers and their sellers. Otherwise, uh, it's unfortunate some of the stuff that maybe buyers and sellers end up going through. And so I thought we could talk about the buyer process first with you and maybe tell me a little bit about what you're seeing where you're kind of cringe a little bit. You're like, holy cow, I can't believe that that's happening in this market. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for, it feels like a thousand years and I'm still surprised at some of the prices that I am seeing. Um, and maybe we've had markets like this before, but what I, I think what I don't, really remember is just the amount of money that people are spending to get into a house. So not only above the purchase price, but also to make up any lack of appraisal if the, when right. the appraisal, uh, appraisal doesn't come in at value, then buyers are having to, to bring that. So I think what is, is really tough for me, whether I'm the listing agent or if I'm representing a buyer, I'm, I'm surprised sometimes at, at how poorly some agents write an offer. Um, on that. So it's not even about necessarily the terms because buyers can only do what buyers can do. Just sometimes it's, it's I think it's our job as, as brokers when we're representing our buyers to put our best foot forward. You know, we got like a house, we've got one shot to make a first impression. Right. So when I'm sending that offer over, it better look really good. Um, not that a simple mistake can't be made. We're all human, 
but you know, fill in those holes, dot those I's, cross those T's, um, make sure that you have everything in there that is going, because you're not going to get a second chance. If, exactly. if a listing agent has 10, 20 offers in front of them, they don't want to be chasing me down because I forgot the form 17, you know? So it's that right. type of thing. Just make it as clean and full as possible. Well, and also too, I think something that I've noticed is that when you have a multiple offer situation, and you said this earlier when we were talking, is don't make the listing agent work. I right. mean, it, it, so how, how, what are you doing that makes it easy for them, I guess, is give us some of your, some of your ideas. Or, sure, or right. Um, so one of the things that I do is, is I know, like I picture myself in the middle of a multiple offer situation as a listing agent, and you're getting, I mean, for the week that it's on, so we'll talk about today's market, in the week that it's on, it is a full-time job where you are building phone calls, you're building texts, you've got emails, um, and then it comes to offer review day and you've got people calling and, and lenders calling and whatnot, and you've got all these offers. And if you're a listing agent, you're having to extract all of the highlights of these offers, most likely into a spreadsheet. And it is not hard to miss something and miss something important. So with every offer that I send over, I've created a little sheet um, that's called um, offer, offer highlights in a nutshell. So I've got what the purchase price is, what the close date is, who the lender is, how much money they're putting down, what forms I have attached. Um, I make sure that um, I, got, I got burned once as a listing agent where the buyer did not have their cash in hand um, for paragraph A and purchase and sale agreement. And so I always make sure that my clients have that. And if they do have it, we provide proof of that so that the listing agent doesn't have to ask, do they have this? It also helps protect my buyers to have that. So I have all of that, um, that I take that and I attach it to the offer so that the seller gets to see it as well. But I also put it in the, in the body of an email so that there is no question what the terms of this offer are right there. They don't have to dig for it. Exactly. And are you, and are you having any communication or like what's your communication process with the listing agent in the event of sending over an offer and doing those types of things? Oh gosh. Um, never send over an offer blind. So as soon as I know that my clients like the house, I'm calling that listing agent and, and hopefully having a good conversation with them. I will say that's something that a lot of listing agents are failing at dismally. I would agree. Uh, oh my, like I can't even get a phone call back. And right. I don't, that's not okay. That's not okay at all. I managed to do it. So can somebody else. I submitted an offer this morning. The listing agent has been fantastic. So first time I called her, I spoke to her last Wednesday, talked about offer review. Are they waiting for it? Um, let her know that if you change your mind, you'll please let us know. Every time I have called her, she has picked up the phone and answered my question. That's fantastic so, to hear. I don't know how you, how you do it otherwise. So I was able to ask about, you know, closing, uh, closing date. Is there anything that the sellers are looking for or that type of thing? Right. And then I called her yesterday, I think, and had a conversation with her. And then when I sent the offer this morning, I called her, I let her know what the offer was all about. I let her know that my lender was calling her as well so that she could answer any questions that I am other than this hour that we are doing this today. Mm -hmm. I am at her beck and call to answer any questions that she, that she has for me. And I love it. You just said that you're having her, your lender call her today. Um, you know, I don't see that happening very frequently. It's funny because so, so I'm on a real estate only Facebook page where we share ideas and I had told some people that I do that and, and it was kind of enlightening because there were a couple of agents that said, I actually don't want that. I only want to talk to the lenders of the buyers that are in the running. 
And I kind of got, and I kind of got that, um, mm -hmm. that made sense to me, but yeah, I think it's really important. Again, I'm saving her a step from having to call my lender. I've just given her one last thing to do. My lender has already spoken to her. They had a good conversation. Um, so they're already developing that rapport as well. I think it's very important. And it's funny because when you think about it, I've never, <laughs> since 2003, I've never as a listing agent called a lender to ask questions and have a lender tell me, yeah, this shit's never going to close. Like we've never had that happen, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but, but at least it helps me try to develop a rapport with them, ask them what the communication style is. I can tell you that last year, I actually, we didn't accept an offer based on the lender. The lender called me and he goes, yeah, the, the agent wanted me to call you and I don't really know what for. And I was like, okay. So, you know, this is a disaster waiting to happen. And I right. did let the agent know. Um, I said, we did not pick because of how your lender presented themselves on well, that. So, And that begs a question too, right? So is there a reason why a really good buyer's agent has a really great relationship with a really quality lender that they know are going to be able to articulate the value of what's going on with that potential buyer with in the event that they have that phone call. Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, I tell all of my clients, so it's really hard, right? When a client, so I've got my lenders that I work with, there's three that I kind of work with, you know, one is my main go-to lender. And then I've got two other great ones. And sometimes depending on personality, I'm like, I think you would be really good with this person. And, um, so sometimes a buyer will come to me with a lender I've never worked with before. And I am just so worried about how that deal is going to go because I don't have that relationship with them. I will tell you the third lender that I used came to me that way mm -hmm. and he knocked my socks off. So it was super great. Um, but man, it makes a difference because again, if I've got, if everything else is equal and I've got two offers in front of me as the listing agent and I've got caliber home loans who has a great reputation right. and then I've got no name, you know, lender.com that's based yeah. out of Minnesota Maybe they do a great job, but man, I've got experience with the other one. So I would exactly. always, always, always try to at least talk to somebody that your professional has recommended to you because usually they're tried and true. And as you know, you know, I always tell clients, we don't get anything back from referring you. I mean, that's, that's totally yes. unethical. It's against, you know, that RESPA, which nobody knows what that means, the, the regular person, but it's, yeah. it's, it would be really bad to do that. We do it because we think that you're going to get great service. Exactly. Well, and one of the, and the other question I have for you is what conversations are you having to set expectations with your buyers with today's market? I mean, are there certain things you're having to conversations with them about? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, when I first meet with a buyer, we, I've got a packet, we go, we go over, I think it's about a 10 page packet um, where we talk about everything that we can kind of expect right now in this market. And, you know, when we have that first conversation, they're not going to grasp it all. It's not until you are actually writing an offer that you actually get it. But I do talk about, so we go through this offer period and then I tell them in today's market right now, you have to be a motivated buyer. You right. can't be a, eh, maybe, you know, you can't be passive in it because you have to be in it to win it because it is difficult in, in this market to do. So, you know, I make sure that, um, you know, ahead of time that they've got a copy of a blank purchase and sale agreement just so they can see what one looks like. Do they ever read it? They sure don't, but it's there. <laughs> yeah, it's there though. <laughs> you know, I think I had one in all these years right, read it simply because I told him that he wouldn't. Um, and yeah. so he, he did it despite me, which yes. is the kind of client that I love. Uh, you know, we, and we talk about the law of real estate agency and whatnot. Like we just talk about, you know, 
getting everything in a perfect little package so that they can really be prepared. Um, I also go over stats and stats. Stats are really good, but they can also be scary because if you look at, you know, if you look at stats, like, so sometimes I'll do a Zoom call with buyers in this market and, and I share my screen and I'm going through the MLS and I'm showing like this one sold for 20% over and this one's 22 and 15, you know, and their eyes are like, I can't yes. do this. That can be tough too. So then I have to show them like, okay, but this one was 5% over and this one was 8% over and, and, and whatnot. And so knowledge is good, but it can also be a little scary. But once we get in it, I, I just tell them like, you know, we're going to do the best that we can. We don't need to negotiate against ourselves. We'll do the best that we can within your terms and things will work out as they should, because somehow it always seems to work out that way. They take a while. Yeah. Well, and I like when you say it, it'll work out the way it's supposed to. And I heard some the other day saying sometimes they just say to their buyers, look, if it doesn't work out, it wasn't meant to be. And the right property will come along. And they said, in fact, we've had people that thought that the one that they lost was the perfect house. Yep. And then all of a sudden, the one that they then end up getting, they're like, no, this one was even better. They always like it better. It is yep. really funny how that how that works out. And you just really have to have patience. I really have to say one thing that I really am appreciative for some of the listing agents in this market, because there are definitely some negatives, but I've spoken to a few where, so I'm working with buyers right now that are 5% down. Mm -hmm. wow, that okay. is really, really tough in this market. So there's not a lot. So we can, so I'm having them look $100,000 under asking. Yes. Um, so that we can be competitive on price, but the terms are a little tougher because we don't have a lot of extra money. And um, one thing that, that I've appreciated for a number of agents where I'm, they, my clients love the house. I call the agents, we have the conversation and they've already got some offers in hand. You know, it's been 12 hours. Why would right. they not have 14 offers in hand? And um, so we're talking, and I'm saying, I'm like, this is how high they can go. And they said, What are your terms? And I'm able to share with them the terms. And they said, We're already past. Like, we're already past that. I hate to tell you not to write an offer, but I actually really appreciate that because Absolutely. it would have been an exercise in futility. And, and why do that? So that is a big kudos to some of the listing agents out there that are sharing information. Well, and I think it, it, it makes it easy for them. It makes it more realistic for your buyers because it doesn't put them through that consternation of wondering, oh my gosh, do we even have a chance? Right, right. right? We, we, just, had an, we just had a bad experience where, where my clients, we were really upset because uh, a house had come on the market and it said no showings on the day that it came on the market because they, they were still doing stuff. Um, so uh, we called to make an appointment. Agent didn't call back. Um, and then we set up an appointment for the next day per the rules. And then um, it goes pending that night. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we're like, well, wait a minute. How did it go pending if there were no showings allowed? That doesn't seem right and fair. So my clients were very, very upset. Well, I did some scoping and it sold 23% over asking. Wow. And well over what my clients could have done anyway. So, I mean, it kind of made them feel better long-term, but short-term, it really didn't make them feel like they had the opportunity. Well, and also puts uh, an idea in their mind, could this happen to us again? Right. right? Well, right. right. We're constantly like, do we want to write an offer now? Like what, if, you know, I mean, so you're calling the agent and they're saying, I mean, I can tell you story after story <laughs> of the agent saying, we're not going to accept an early offer. And an hour later, it goes pending. Right. And I've like, heard a lot of that oh my gosh. And it's just, it's so opposite of how I run my business. And people will say, well, it's up to the seller. Well, it is a hundred percent, but have that conversation. And so with my sellers, I'm very clear, like get out of town, like do whatever you need to do. Because if we're saying that we're waiting, 
we're waiting, we're waiting. And, we, and we do. So right. I just try to avoid offers coming in at all so that my clients aren't even tempted. I love that. Well, let's do this. I'm going to have one more question for you this, and then I, I will take a quick break and then we'll shift okay. into the seller side, into the okay. listing side. But my other question for you is this. Is so today, if I'm a buyer today, right? It's, would you say in your opinion, it's extremely important to have a professional quality buyer's agent that knows what they're doing. And also I hear this is taking time with you up front, right? Before yep. you ever get in the game. You have to, because they, they will just not even understand this market. I mean, it is, uh, I, you know, I say the words crazy town, which I don't know if that's the best, the best <laughs> way because I don't want to scare people, but no, you have, they have to be as prepared as they can be. And then an agent, and, and again, clients aren't going to know, right, if their agent knows how to write a good offer. They have nothing to do with it. But right. um, hopefully, hopefully they'll learn as time goes on. But an agent who not only knows how to write a good offer, but, but also is a good communicator with yes. the, I mean, I can write a great offer, but gosh, if I'm not communicating with the other agent or if I'm a jerk to them, like nobody wants to work with happy pants. Nobody wants to deal with that for the next 30 days. Exactly. They're going to the bottom of the pile if everything else is being equal. And I'm talking to my phone, you know, so it's, it's, you've got, you just got to be a good human. That really, really goes a long way. It sounds trite, but it goes a long way. Well, and I've never understood, I've never understood why an agent feels compelled to be adversarial with the other agent who's just should be their negotiating counterpart and ask for what you want and be open and transparent with your communication. I mean, I understand there's sometimes you want to keep your cards close to the vest, in negotiating, but at the same time, why be adversarial? I, I don't know. You know, when I took the certified negotiating expert class a long time ago, I learned that there were three different kinds of negotiators because I always kind of wondered like, well, what kind of negotiator am I? And mm -hmm. there was the pit bull negotiator right. where you're, it's exactly the person that you're talking about. Like they just have to win at all costs. No matter what. Then, yep. No matter what. And then there's one that rolls over and practically, um, Rep seems like they're representing the other party because they don't want to fight for anything. Right. And then there's kind of the win-win negotiator. And that, that's just kind of where my natural personality comes from is I really do feel like buyer, we're all there working for the same thing. Seller, listing agent, buyer, buyer's agent. We're all working towards the same goal. I, I love nothing more than if it's a love fest and people can get along. This is already stressful. Exactly. And then to have nasty people on either side of it just makes it that much worse. So it's always important. Like when I'm representing a buyer, I'm always trying to tell them how it feels from the seller side. And then I do vice versa. And that's not to advocate for the other side, but if you understand how people work and feel as much as you, as much as you can, it will help you be, understand what you're fighting for and to, to just do be better at your job and to be I, better humans. Totally agree. We, in fact, we advocate that in ninja selling, we always say uh, the, the key to negotiation is understanding both sides of both sides of the equation, right? Yes. Put the shoe on the other foot and say, hey, we got to understand where they're coming from so that we can all kind of meet in the middle or figure out yes. a way to make this, put this together. Absolutely. And before you go, do you have to take a break this second? No, no, no. no. Okay. Keep, yeah. One, one of the things that I thought about too, that um, when we talk about why it's important to have a good lender to circle back is I just Remember, something I learned very early on is to have a lender. So when we are, so when I'm writing an offer, I'm, I'm creating an email to my lender with my buyer's CC on it. I'm like, okay, here's the purchase price of the house. Here's the taxes. Here's the homeowner's dues. Can you please run me monthly payment amounts from this purchase price, the list price, all the way up to their cap of, let's say, 695 
so that my buyers, when it comes down to it, we can figure out what we're fighting for. And if you don't have a lender that's available to you to do that, um, you're not going to know that information. So, I mean, it can be with interest rates being as low as they are. I, I wrote an offer, um, I think it was last week or the week before. We didn't get it. There were 19 offers on it, um, you know, and we only went 8% above asking, but we, um, the lender, you know, did all the numbers. And I think between the highest and the lowest was like $300. Wow. Whereas if my client was thinking of going up $50,000, I don't remember what the numbers were, that would have seemed insurmountable. But then she was like, oh, it's, and maybe it was even like 260. So she knew what she was fighting for Yes. on yes. that. And we were able to push it even higher than she thought that we would, that she would go. That's great. Oh, that's just great advice. I mean, and, and that's, and that again, goes back to the premise of what we talked about is, um, you know, this is a market for professionals. I mean, it should always be a market for professionals in my right. opinion. Right. For sure. Uh, but, you know, when things are the way they are right now, you really need somebody who's an advocate for you that really understands the, you know, the dynamics of negotiating, the dynamics of writing an offer, the dynamics yep. of just understanding people, communication. Yep. Right? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk about uh, the seller side. And I want to talk a little bit about how sometimes uh, listing agents are not representing their sellers the best and possibly leaving money on the table. Absolutely. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Michael Fanning and with me is Eric Thompson. We're with Windermere Coaching. We thought we'd take just a moment to let you know a little bit about maybe how to get your feet wet into coaching with Windermere Coaching through the Windermere Path. Eric, tell us a little bit about the Windermere Path. So the Windermere Path gives you a call every week. You can join live or you can watch the recording. One of three things happen on those calls. You get a specific lesson that's taught by you, Mike, by Doug Simcock, by me, or Nick Hansen. The second thing that happens is we do live interviews with your Windermere colleagues. So you can hear right from them about how they are implementing all the tools that we teach them in coaching so that you can be inspired by their story. The third thing that happens is you get to ask questions of us, things that are happening in your business right now, in your world. We help just to keep you on the, on the ninja path. Hey, Eric, it sounds like a lot of great content. So listeners, if you're interested in finding out more about the Windermere Path, simply go to windermerecoaching.com click on the explore button, give us your name and your email address, and we'll get back to you with all the information you need to get started on the Windermere Path. Thank you so much, and we'll return you to our content. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is uh, the Windermere Coaching Minute, and I am thrilled because I have Jen Penn with me, and we just talked about the buyer side of, of a of, of transaction, and now we're going to talk about the seller side of a transaction and representing a listing and being a listing agent. So, uh, Jen, tell me a little bit of what you see maybe that is a little bit concerning that's going on right now uh, where you're seeing where it, the seller might not be being represented as best they possibly could. So um, I tend to, to run on the type A side when I'm getting a listing ready for market. So when I put a listing on the market, I have every attachment known to man that somebody might need in order to write an offer. So for me, like I want to make sure that if I'm asking or expecting a buyer to take over, let's say a sewer capacity treatment charge, I would like them to know what that number is, even if they agree to do it. So, and I'm always surprised at how many agents don't have that information. Um, they, didn't, they didn't find that all. It's not attached to the MLS. Form 17 99% of the time that thing is not filled in correctly. Right. So then I become as, you know, if I'm representing a buyer and there's a question that I have on it, I become the problem child 
asking a question. All these nobody... questions. Exactly, exactly. So I have, I've got a, I've got a things to know that are attached to every listing that I have that talks about what things are included, what the taxes are, what are the homeowners dues, when are they due, what's the sewer capacity treatment charge, um, whose title and escrow, what closing date are we looking for, all of that kind of stuff. Like here's a link to all of the HOA information. Here's a link to the resale certificate information, all of that kind of stuff so that a buyer can feel comfortable knowing what they're actually making an offer on. Eyes and wide open. Eyes wide open. And I just feel like knowledge is power on that. And I think right now that that sellers and listing agents are, they're getting away with doing precious little in their listings. And I that doesn't sit right with me. Um, because, hey, you know, someday these tables are going to turn and it's going to be a buyer's market. Right. And we're going to want that same kind of consideration. So, um, you know, there's also things like um, whether or not people pre-inspect a home or not, whether or not a seller pre-inspects a home. I do pre-inspect my listings, but what I also do is is um, we go through and make repairs. So I do it in enough time that we can make repairs to a home and buyers get a copy of that inspection report that's notated with here's everything that we did so that these buyers can feel comfortable in moving to a home that we took care of any major problems. Well, and it's the best way to remove the inspection contingency. So you can, I, I mean, that, that just blows my mind how some people aren't doing these and it's going to be an issue that's going to come up one way or the other. So why not address it at the beginning? You know, the, and so the, the only caveat to that, cause I agree, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I feel. One is, is I feel like these are expensive homes and I, and I don't think that it's a bad thing for a seller to have to spend a little money to get their house ready and in good shape. That just seems like, again, doing the right thing, uh, regardless of what the market is. I know that there are, you know, agents out there um, and even lawyers who, who feel like you can't expect an, a buyer to have to go with the inspection that your seller has provided. They right. don't know that inspector, right? And we know that three different inspectors can inspect the same home and walk away with three very different uh, reports based on opinion and knowledge and whatnot. But I still feel so, you know, I'm always, if somebody wants to have uh, a pre-inspection of their own, like I'm putting a listing on here uh, in two weeks and we've pre-inspected it and, and notated the heck out of that inspection report, but I am going to set aside time on the showing time on like the Monday if somebody wants to do their own pre-inspection that they can do it, right. but we wanted to eliminate surprises. And Absolutely. You know, if you think about it, when, so when we had the pre-inspection, what we determined is that there was water that was coming into the crawl space from inside a wall, right? And my, my seller was panicked and I said, no, 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 this is why we do it because we're not under contract. I don't have a stressed out emotional buyer on the other side. Exactly. Called my plumber. We figured out that the, the seller had uh, installed grab bars all over the house for his mother-in-law. And he had put, he had tried to install a grab bar into a water pipe, obviously didn't know it. Oh my gosh. Something didn't fit well. So he moved it and that water was going into the crawl. So I was able to call my plumber. He came out two days later, cut a hole in the wall. Uh, we now have pictures and we've got this punctured pipe, but we now have pictures to provide to the buyer of the punctured pipe that there is no mold inside the wall and the repaired pipe. Can you imagine doing that under contract? Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> it would have panicked them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have panicked them and, it, and potentially would have caused them to, to walk away. Walk away, uh, exactly. Yeah. And then you're starting all over and yeah. you know, coming back on the market is never a, never a great thing. No. Let me ask you this. So uh, review, re review period. Uh, yes. There's a lot of consternation around this right now. Yep. And um, I, I 
I understand it uh, a little bit, and then you understand it way more than I do. But one of the things that I just I don't understand is why would a seller want to take something so quickly without allowing that review period to offer up the chance for as many buyers to see the home and make the the best offers? Yeah. So it, so it's a great question, and and. In, in, 99% of me totally agrees with that. And that's how just I run. Cause I'm like, you know, so there's a number of things. So one is I do like to see side by side the offers that we get, because otherwise you always wonder, is there something better that we could have gotten on there, a better term or whatnot. I will say that some of the offers that are coming in where people are receiving offers, reviewing offers early, I can say in a number of cases, these numbers were so astronomically high that they probably didn't lose anything. They didn't lose anything in their pocket. That being said, has the agent lost something from her colleagues who didn't even have the opportunity to make an offer? Right. Probably, because we are, we are seeing that. And I, so I have seen as many stories of where we look and see that they accepted a quick offer and that they got a bunch of money for it. That worked out really well. But I also know that people are like, I know that they accepted $50,000 less than, than we would have given them right. on this. So you definitely see it back. I just, I don't like talking out of both sides of my mouth. So I feel like we're either going to review or we're not going to review. Right. And, and just me, articulate it, right? Articulate it and, and, and assure people. But what we're finding is there are agents out there going, we're not going to do it. And then they do it an hour later. So it's just, that's just not me. My word means, means everything. And I talk to my clients more than once about it. And so um, when, when agents call me, I tell them, I'm like, I promise you, I am not going to make you look like a jerk to your clients. This thing is not going to go pending without um, you having an opportunity to submit an offer. Right. And, I have been, and I've been able to do it. Well, and I think it comes down, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it comes down to a professional real estate agent uh, on the listing side who has a phenomenal process is able to articulate very effectively to the sellers of what's going to benefit them the best. Here's the process we're going to follow. If we have to shift gears, we will, but we're going to communicate it effectively to all those involved. And that's the ding, ding, ding right there. Yes, because, <laughs> the, because I know that there are some great agents who have told their clients, I don't want you to review an offer early. And the, and the clients are so, I don't know if I just said that backwards, the clients are so excited about this offer that they don't want to refuse it. And I know that the agents are dying inside, but that being said, there is still a step that you can take. If yes. you are moving that offer up, then through showing time, there is a way to contact every single agent to go, you know what? We do want to review early. I'm giving you, we're going to review in four hours, like enough right. time, not like in 30 minutes. Yeah. But, you know, and I also feel like we as agents can, we can make our lives easier than it is. So part of my reasoning too for, um, doing an offer review date and sticking with it is it gives people time to plan on that. You know, we don't have to jump. Maybe you're, maybe you're my God bed taking a Sunday off, you know, on Easter and not having to work on, you know, an offer that all of a sudden you are getting notification that they're reviewing an offer early. So things like that, I think um, makes a lot of sense. I'm also a big believer, the offer review period, not that it just helps the seller, but okay, this buyer spending $800,000 might it behoove them to be able to walk through the house a second time for more than 15 minutes and, you know, bring their, their parents back if they want to bring it back. Like, I think that's equally important so that you don't have buyer remorse as yes. well. Well, we advocate that a lot too, as we always say, you know, to, to uh, not have buyer's remorse is 
for to give those buyers the opportunity to really feel confident about what they're doing so that yep. they they're sticking with it and there's no second guessing. Yes, there was a listing in Bothell recently where the agent was giving five minute showings. And I was like, who the hell do we think that we are? Like, how <laughs> is this? Right. How is this? So it's not okay. It is not okay. And we are our own, our own worst enemy. And I feel like if we could just navigate it a little bit more, that it would be better for everybody. Like it's one thing if a, if a client feels bad because they didn't win the offer, it's quite another if they never got the opportunity. Yep. And I just, I don't want to be that person that brings that on to somebody. I agree. And, you know, you brought up one other thing I want to address is that you said, you know, in this market, because it's so kind of frenzied, if you will, that we see a lot of listing agents that are cutting corners, right? Because of the craziness. So they're not running their processes. They're not doing the things they should be doing. And, and that's concerning. So if you think about it, if you think about um, the things you just talked about, um, and you're now looking at it with, you know, representing a buyer, are you, how many agents are you think are actually still are cutting corners? I mean, are you seeing a lot of agents cutting corners these days? I see. Yes. I mean, it, but I'm going to say 50, 50, because I have to say, you know, I look um, like a psychopath. I look at new listings on the market, watch an MLS every single day, because it helps me kind of keep a pulse of what I'm seeing mm -hmm. um, on that more than just looking at numbers. And so I look through all these listings and it's always so wonderful to see how many agents are really getting their listings ready. And, you know, they're staged and the photography is beautiful and they've got all their attachments up and whatnot. And then conversely, you get the exact opposite where you're yes. And we've all done, not even in this market, but I mean, I've done deals where I would swear that the listing agent has never met their seller, you know, or things aren't, aren't conveyed. I mean, I, a number of years ago, I won a multiple offer bid because, so it was still crazy. We were doing a pre-inspection, right? Mm -hmm. So um, sitting there in the pre-inspection, sellers come home and I'm chit-chatting with them and they start talking about, I'm like, oh, where are you going? What are your plans? And they start telling me about that they need to find a house and they're moving to California. Blah. And I was like, so would a rent back be helpful to you in this situation? <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, what is that? And I explained it to them. Well, their agents never, ever advertised that a rent back was something that would be important to these people. And my clients got it because we gave them a rent back. And exactly. that was just by listening. And I, I was thinking, you know, what happened here? <laughs> Well, and it, you know, it comes back to communication. It comes back to, and what I find is, uh, and you know, and this is this is going out for any listeners out there that are in the market right now to be uh, list their home or to buy a home. But you know, hire a real estate agent that is a very effective communicator, not just to you, right, but to the other side, and that advocates on your behalf, but also understands what we're going to need and how we're going to benefit you the best. And not be afraid of you because yes. we've, we've all had clients that need to run the show. Those are not my favorite clients because it does not work well with my personality at all. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. That is, that is not my personality. I am a very, well, I wouldn't want the doc. I would, if I would had a doctor, I wouldn't want to be running the show if I was going right. to the doctor. Right. right. But we all yeah. have those clients. We have them we know yes. more than we do. Right. <laughs> um, and we try not to work with them again, but, um, but that being said, you know, I am not afraid of my clients at all. So, I mean, I tell them, you know, I'm the client agent that drives up to a house and I'm like yeah this is a shit show and you're not buying it like I am that agent <laughs> right I want them to buy a good house so I feel really like a dream killer but on the listing side you know it's always I I'm trying to like explain people that we're going to start up here we're going to start up high for what my expectations are and what I would like you to do to this house you do not have to do them all there's things that you have to do 
but don't feel like you can't hire me because I'm expecting you to do all these. I'm giving you my, my ideal. And then we can start taking things off from there where it just gets to be too right. much. So that's something and I have to work Here are the choices and here are the consequences that'll ensue if you do it. It's your decision, right. but here's, here's the list. Right, right. Yeah. My philosophy is overcoming buyer objections before they happen. That's I love what I it. tell people. Yeah, that is great. Well, any any other any other words of advice you'd have for uh, potential or for agents that might be listening or the public that's listening to just what what's going on right now and your, what you're experiencing? Well, so you know, for the for the public, I always tell people you need to like your agent, yeah. no matter no matter what. So hopefully they do a good job too. But you really do need to like your agent because there is a lot of time that you're going to be spending with this person, and if you don't like them, it's just it's just stop and just break up right away and. So be open and honest. Like I always tell my clients, if I'm doing something that doesn't work for you, please talk to me about it. And if I don't fix it, then you should break up with me because that's not what we're, that's not what we're all about. We are a team working together. And then I think with agents is, um, again, we, we all work so hard. We really do. And I think, I think communication uh, is a big one. I think sounds great. Being kind is really, really important. You can yes. be a good agent and also be really kind. Like if somebody can, when you're not in the room, say this person does a really, really nice job and I didn't get the winning offer, but man, I've got a lot of respect for that agent and how they handled it. That will pay off in dividends down the road. Cause if you've got two offers in front of you, one, one of them is that agent. And one of them is somebody who hasn't been communicative every day of the week. We're going with what we know. Yes. You can gracefully not be accepted. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Grace. <laughs> grace is everything. And that's, you know, that's another thing when we talk about grace, when we talk about listing agents, if you are, if you, I feel very strongly about this. If somebody has taken the time to show your home and to call you and to write an offer, then when they do not win that offer, you damn well better call them at, I like calling people, but I also know sometimes it's nine 30 at night and you've been doing this all day and you're exhausted but a very informative email, letting them know what the status is so that they can tell their clients before the internet tells the clients. Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I can't agree you know, with you more. We just get, we just get so lazy sometimes. And I'm like a listing that I had in Kent, there was 27 offers. I called 26 people and said, I am so sorry, but they were all, I mean, what was sad is how many of them said, well, thank you for calling. Like they were surprised that I called them. I'm like, this, this is not okay, guys. Like we yes. need to be calling people or somehow letting them, letting them know because thank you. I mean, during this last year, anytime an agent called, the first thing I said is thank you for showing my listing because we are in the middle of a pandemic and it right. is, you know, you are with people, you know, worried about everything and touching everything. And you are out there doing your job, trying to sell my listing. So first of all, Thank you. Can't thank you enough. You know, I think we kind of forget some of those manners because we're in the position as listing agents right now of, of, of being in, in the better position. Absolutely. Right well, my but dad we would always say to me, you know, say, son, you have two choices. Uh, you can walk away from somebody and they can say, I hope I don't see you again. Or you can walk away from somebody and they can say, I can't wait to see you again. I mean, Aim, I love that. And it's all yes. how you choose to show up. That's exactly, that is exactly right. I can't, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? I want to thank you so much. Your energy is fabulous. I love the stuff that you're putting out there. And if, uh, if other agents want to get in touch with you, or you said you had a Facebook page, how might they get a hold of you? Oh my gosh, they could, they could call or email me. Okay. What's your email? Email Jen Penn, J-E-N-N-P-E-N-N -E -N -N at windermere.com. And then my cell number is 206-795-0555.
Perfect. I'm happy to share any information that I have always. And uh, website in case the public's out there thinking, I'm, oh my gosh, no, she's Don't amazing. look at my website. It, it's still under, I was <laughs> okay. over and do not go to my website. Okay. No but but email, jenpan at windermere.com. Yeah, and I do have a Facebook, Jen Penn Real Estate Facebook page and Instagram. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, and I'll and I'll I'll make links to that in the show notes so that if anybody wants to get a hold of you, they can. I want right. to thank you uh, for thank being you. on today. I, I mean, I called you, and I heard you were the bomb, and you immediately <laughs> said yes, I'll do this, and I love it. And so, thank you. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you in in real life one of these days. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We're that's it for today. Uh, thank you for listening to the Coaching Minute. If you find or you like what we're doing, let us know. And if you found this interesting, please feel free to share it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, Make it a great day. Be awesome and help somebody. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you found this content interesting, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. Also, If you're a real estate agent with an epic idea and you're doing something great to create great client service or work-life balance, or maybe both, please reach out to us at fanning at windermere.com. And we always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.